Thanks for joining us for season six of the Hospitality Hangout, a hospitality-focused podcast where the founders at Brandon Strategic share their insights and bring technology and innovation leaders that are making things happen in the industry we love. My name is Jimmy Frischling, otherwise known as the finance guy. I'd like to introduce my partner, Mr. Michael Schatzberg, also known as the restaurant guy. Hey, thanks for that kind introduction, Jimmy. And to all those listening, feel free to call me Shatsy. Together, we are the personalities behind Branded Strategic Hospitality. We work at the intersection of capital, technology, innovation, hospitality, and food service. Jimmy, we're adding food service. A lot. There's a lot in there at the intersection. There's a lot, lot in there. A lot, a lot of in there. Hey, Jimmy, before we get into it, it's an amazing show today. Really, I think one of the best shows ever in all six seasons, I think today could be the best show. But you know what? We got a lot going on. And one thing on my mind last night, I woke up in the middle of the night, I couldn't sleep, and I'm thinking, traveling. We are going to Murtech. We are going to the newly branded Restaurant and Bar Expo. And in between all that, Jimmy, we got the branded marketplace going on. Do you know about uh, this? No wonder you can't sleep. You got a lot going on there, Shatsy. A lot going on. Jimmy, the branded marketplace, it's gaining so much steam, it can't be stopped. We are upwards of over 362 companies now on this marketplace. Jimmy, anybody who wants to connect with the most innovative, most coolest happening technology and innovative companies within hospitality, you got to go to the marketplace. If you are a restaurant operator, anybody touching food service, you got to go to the marketplace because you're going to find the you're going to find the solutions that help you operate your business. Jimmy, you got to go check out the brandedmarketplace.com. And if you want to get on the marketplace, just email us at marketplace at brandedstrategic.com. Jimmy, how much do you think this thing costs? It sounds very expensive, Shatsy. What are people paying for this? Nothing, Jimmy. That's what's so amazing about it. It costs nothing for anybody to be on the marketplace. So go, run, nothing. take the family, take the kids, everybody. Go check out the marketplace. Jimmy, back to you. Hold on, Shatsy. We charge nothing. How we make money? Jimmy, volume. You're a finance guy. You understand volume. Volume. But up, up. I sell raincoats below cost is what I do. It's on below cost. All right, Shatsy, thank you for that tremendous uh, uh, share of which you just gave. And uh, and that segment on the uh, marketplace was sponsored by Chico's Bail Bonds. Need a bail bond? Jimmy, we're going to get a new sponsor. I don't know who, but we're getting one. Need a bail bond? Call Chico's. Uh, owners of the Bad News Bears, please don't send me a, a cease and desist letter. I've gotten many. I ignore them anyway. All right, here we go. We are very excited for today's episode. Our guest and our friend is Mr. John DiLoretto, president of FlipDish. John, we'll have you take the lead. Please give us a little background about yourself. And of course, introduce uh, our audience and guests, uh, our friends to FlipDish. Great. Hey, guys. Great to be with you today. Uh, I couldn't imagine a better duo to spend an hour with this morning. <laughs> Uh, but first off, just kind of wanted to say congrats to you both. Um, really amazing accomplishment for the branded marketplace. It sounds like you have just enough companies to have one new company per day right now if you're a restaurant operator. So very <laughs> exciting. Uh, and really also just wanted to say thank you for what you do for the industry. Um, for those that aren't familiar with the branded folks with Jimmy or Shotzi, if you find yourself at any uh, well-known trade show throughout the year, you will find these two gentlemen there, and they will be happy to make introductions, connections. Wait, is this, you is this a it. flip dish podcast? Is this a this flip is good. dish podcast? Hey, you've been invited to be but, on. Uh, but, but I just wanted to say, I mean, you, you've been a, uh, you've been a played a huge role in, in, uh, you know, in my network and what I do, and I just wanted to say thank you and to, uh, you know, let the listeners know how valuable you are to the industry is bringing people together, and it's real. 
Hey, thanks, John. Listen, there'll be a little something extra in your check this week, if you know what I mean. Okay. <laughs> but anyhow, uh, you know, the, the connections you make in person are very real. And so uh, great appreciation for that. But so about me, so Johnny Loretto, so uh, president, not of Flipdish, president of our North America operation, just for clarity. Um, I lead our, our business on this side of uh, the Atlantic. Um, Flipdish, we are a digital technology company focused on the hospitality industry. Specifically, what we focus on at Flipdish is what we call the digital consumer experience. And what that means is we focus on everything between the brand, meaning the restaurant and their customers, and helping restaurants better engage directly with their customers. And so what that can mean is we build websites, we build mobile apps, we build kiosks, we run digital advertising for our customers, we've got loyalty programs, marketing programs, SMS engagement, you name it. Everything that exists that connects the restaurant and their customers, that's our specialty and our focus. We do that in about 30 countries today um, and are proud to work with thousands of business around the world. That is unbelievable. And we're going to dive in a little deeper. That was just very high level what Flipdish is all about. But before we get into it, let's get into what makes John tick. <laughs> Who is John DiLoretto? How does John go from... Analyst at J.P. Morgan, a very large, well-known financial institution that I know Mr. Jimmy, the finance guy, knows a little bit about. Engineering grad student at NYU, great school. It's no Columbia, right, Jimmy? But still, <laughs> good school, good school. So now the president of the North America flip dish. Apparently, Jimmy, we didn't get the right president. We were supposed to get the president of the whole thing, and we got John, the president of North America, <laughs> But we're going <laughs> to, we'll have to blame our producer. No, all kidding aside. So, talk, JP Morgan, engineering, now flip dish. How, how does that come about? Sure. Um, so, I'll tell you what, uh, I'm a competitive person, wanted to work in an incredibly competitive environment coming out of school. Um, I view JP Morgan as one of the greatest institutions in America when it comes to a competitive culture, a place to learn from the best. Jimmy, is that breaking news? <laughs> um, you know what I, I gotta tell? You, I think you just—I think he just shocked the world of praising Jay Morgan. No, he is right. That is one of the finest institutions. It's part of my core four of the financial services zone: JP, City, uh, uh, Wells, and um, and Valley National. Oh, and Bank of America. Sorry, sorry, Bank of America. I owed you one. Sorry about that. But anyhow, uh, great opportunity to learn from you know some of the smartest minds in uh, you know in, in America and and uh, being in an incredibly competitive environment, surrounded by people around the globe. But I'll tell you what, I found myself every single day I was there, I, uh, I was that strange 22-year-old that for some reason brought in a physical copy of the Wall Street Journal to my desk. Everyone else was reading it online. I'm not sure why I did that. But every day I found myself reading the technology section, not the finance section. And uh, after about two and a half years, I realized there was something wrong. Um, so talked to a few mentors in my life. Was it that you were, was it that you were reading the physical paper and not online? Was that what was wrong? What was wrong? Johnson Olson with that, but, uh, essentially I think I realized my interests were in, in my heart was in a different place. Oh, okay. Um, but realized that, you know, to take the technology world seriously, uh, that it wasn't about just, you know, going out and taking any job at a technology company. It was to actually go back and study what I was most interested in. And on a personal level, what I was most interested in is, the intersection of, of big data and then personalization at scale. So ultimately what that means is using algorithms to personalize user experiences to have an enhanced experience through technology. And so, you know, I went back to grad school, had an opportunity to, you know, study algorithms, understand a little bit better about architecture, how coding works, et cetera. 
and then found myself looking for a summer internship, stumbled upon a company that was focused on using algorithms to personalize food ordering. So essentially like a Spotify take on food ordering. And uh, I was really kind of impressed with the, the vision and the mission to do so. And I truly believe that, you know, food is something that's really unique and has a unique profile. And there's similar characteristics across different types of foods, different types of cuisines or whatnot that can help personalize each of our kind of food journeys or what we, what we like, what we don't like, et cetera. Um, and so I had an opportunity to, you know, work at a company there for about a year and then uh, was recruited by Flipdish, which was at the time a, a prominent growing company in Europe uh, to launch their North American business in the summer of 2019. Um, so I've been doing that for about two and a half years now, a little bit longer, and uh, really proud to have now a, uh, a strong, thriving business across the U.S., Canada, and Mexico today. That is awesome. And thank you for sharing all that. And um, I'm, I love that you followed your, your passion, your heart. Um, I spent a lot of time in the uh, financial uh, world and I still feel I'm in it. I just do it for, for a very different asset class. So following uh, one's passion is important. Um, it's always a great day uh, when we can kick off a podcast with a breaking news moment. And, and I can't believe, I think, you know, maybe it's not the first time and everyone's hearing this, it is still big effing news. Um, and I want to talk about it because Flipdish has really just completed a $100 million raise. Um, yes, $100 million. Um, it was your Series C round uh, led by Chinese tech giant uh, uh, Tencent. And it was, um, gave you a valuation of a billion and a quarter, putting Flipdish in the, uh, is there such a thing as the official unicorn uh, status? Um, and this was just shortly after you uh, completed a $45 million investment from this really tiny, relatively unknown uh, venture firm called Tiger Global. <laughs> um, so you guys are doing some big things with some tremendous uh, partners and names. What can you tell us about the raise and what are you going to do with this incredible uh, influx of, uh, of capital? I'd get I'd give John a raise. That's what I would do with it. But that's me. There you go. <laughs> well, I appreciate that. I think, you know, it's just it's a testament to our mission and our focus on uh, building the technology that our industry needs and that ultimately that consumers are looking for when it comes to interacting and engaging with their favorite brands and restaurants. Uh, in terms of what we are going to do, uh, we're going to do what we've always done, which is strictly just focus on our customers. I mean, you know, the day that we announced our raise, I woke up that day and I did exactly what I do every day. I took phone calls with about half a dozen customers and prospective customers. And I spoke to operators and I asked them exactly what their challenges were um, and learned about, you know, where the opportunities may lie for us to continue to build better products and solutions for our customers. So, you know, to answer your question succinctly, I mean, what we're going to do is continue to invest in our customers. Um, you know, that's what we do. Um, you know, we don't get distracted by the latest uh, fad or hobby or NFT or you name it. Uh, we're a serious technology company and we focus on our customers. That's awesome. Um, I got to tell you, it's really incredible. And I think I, it would be, I, I have to say, Jimmy, I think, and I'm not sure, I have to go back. This is the first billion dollar guest we've had. Am I right? You're wrong. Uh, oh, I am? Oh. <laughs> Yeah, still, exactly. it's the first. It's it, today. It's our only billion dollar guest today. Am I right about that? He is. You are one hundred percent right. This He's week only, is this the only billion dollar guest on this week's show? You are. You are correct on that, Shatsy. You couldn't be okay. more right. You couldn't be more right on All that. Right, so I knew. I knew I was right. So listen, <laughs> let's get into Flip Dish a little bit more because you know what? Today, I think in hospitality, everyone's feeling convenience, convenience, convenience. They want their delivery. 
in less than five minutes. They want it before they order it. People want to pay and order at the table. People want to make reservations online. No one wants to speak on the phone. It's all about convenience. That's, to me, the, the big buzz in hospitality. It's I want it now. I want it fast. I want what I want. What are your thoughts on convenience and convenience tech and what it's bringing to hospitality? Sure. So, you know, ultimately, the way I think of it is as an operator, you know, what's most important to you is your customer um, and meeting your customer where they are and where their needs are. Um, and I think, you know, in our, and from a macro perspective, there have been significant investments that have shaped and changed the way that the customer views convenience. So, you know, the easiest example is, is picking Amazon. You know, from a customer perspective, people were used to going to a store or ordering something and it's showing up two weeks later. Now the expectation is ordering something. That's unacceptable. And it shows unacceptable. up today or it shows up even faster. And now even even more recently, you know, the- John, the, if I'm not getting it in 15 minutes, I'm not ordering it. That's exactly, a fact. Exactly. So even further, you know, the whole idea of rapid convenience. And, you know, look, at the, at the end of the day, we view it as if you're not meeting your customers' demands, you're going to be, you know, unfortunately, you're going to miss out. And so- you know, over the past 10, 15 years, there's been some incredible innovation in hospitality technology, some winners that have focused on things like back of house technology, like a company like a Toast or a Square, which I very much so admire. But ultimately, at Flipdish, what we focus on, what we differentiate on is how do you become more present and more accessible to your customers? Because ultimately, without customers in seats, without customers driving revenue, you know, th there is not a business. And so we put the customer at the forefront. And when we think about our problems, it's about how can you make your, your business more accessible and more rapidly convenient to your customers. So that means meeting them across their digital channels. So it means giving them an omni-channel experience, whether they want to choose through uh, web ordering, whether they want to order on-premise, whether they want to order at the table, um, whether they want to order via a kiosk, giving them that accessibility and then providing them with the ability to get that food either delivered, picked up, dropped off in an outpost, you name it, in a time frame that's acceptable to kind of their needs and their demands. So it's really about realizing that, you know, we may operate in the food industry, but at the end of the day, our customers' interests operate in the greater kind of macro industry of retail in general, and that a customer's expectations are going to be just as high as Amazon's from any given restaurant or any rapid grocery delivery. And we're focused on enabling and democratizing this technology for any business, whether you are a food truck, a mom and pop, whether you're Dukes, you know, one of the branded restaurants, you name it, or you're the largest ghost kitchen in the world. We're there to deliver that technology. I love this. This is good stuff, man. I got to tell you, um, I don't know if it's the pedigree and the training that comes with JP Morgan or NYU, but uh, but I think this is some really great this stuff. This guy's here. smart, Jimmy. He's smart. Shots, I know you're very impressed. You're very impressed. I like it a lot. No. Um, thank you for sharing all of that. Um, John, um, food is no doubt one of the most important commodities there is. Um, and whether you want to, you know, put some blame or, or attribution to the current labor market or the strained supply chain or even on COVID, um, inflation is, is hitting home. Um, in 2021, food at home prices increased by 3.5%. Food away from home prices increased by 4.5%. And the, uh, the CPI for all food increased an average of 3.9. So these are numbers that, you know, hit people truly in their wallet. Um, but at the end of the day, people need and want to eat. What are your thoughts on food as a commodity um, versus mm -hmm. food as a brand? Sure. So, you know, this is something that we, we think um, heavily about at Flipdish, and uh, maybe I'll kind of paint a picture to differentiate it. And so, 
when I think of a commodity, I think of a customer going on Grubhub and typing in pizza. I think of someone going on Google and typing in burrito near me. And I think of someone simply searching to meet a need as quick as possible without any care for where it's coming from. Um, and I think largely that's a lot of proliferation is what we're seeing of all these virtual brands is essentially creating more commodity, creating more kind of supply on these marketplace. And what we've realized is more recently, it's become easier and easier to create kind of noise, to create additional brands, additional distractions on these digital marketplaces. And so even if you were a, you know, it used to be the only burrito brand in your neighborhood, in New York City, today, there's probably 15 other brands that are out there that are serving burritos. And so increasingly, there's more competition when it comes to burrito near me than there's ever been, or whatever your genre may be, uh, due to a number of factors, but largely prol proliferation of virtual brands, accessibility to creating, kind of launching on digital marketplaces, you name it. And I think also, John, people like burritos. People do love burritos. Near me. That's a good near me. That's a very, that's a very good point, Jim. Near me. I think um, the the other side of the differentiation is is specifically focused on a brand and not searching for burrito near me, but searching for John's Pizza or Chipotle near me, and really creating that distinction between the two. And that you know at, at Flipdish we're focused on helping restaurants hone in on and build their brand, not focusing on how can I just sell more burritos because. Ultimately, there will continue to be more competitors. There'll continue to be more options for the customer. There's going to be 15 million wing brands. If Chili's and Arby's and all these large brands are creating their own wing brands, you know, what does an independent operator have a chance to outcompete them to be listed higher on Grubhub or Uber Eats? They do not. And so from our perspective, we're focused on how do you really lean in on being a brand? And what that means is how do you tell your story so that every single time you send an order out the door, the customer knows that you care about your brand and that you want them to come back to your brand, order directly from you, instead of just ordering from you categorically online. Um, and it's the same way that you know Nike doesn't, doesn't want to sell their shoes on Amazon. They want you to come to Nike. And there's a few reasons. Obviously, you know, as a return customer, they've got a lot of benefits. So the same things with food that we talk about all the time. One, obviously, your margins are protected versus being on a marketplace and having to pay a marketplace fee. We know how exorbitant those are. Two, you actually begin to know who your customer is. Nike wants to know, are you a runner? Are you a tennis player? The same way that the restaurants we work with, they want to know, are you a vegetarian? Or are you a vegan? Do you prefer to eat salads twice a week? Or do you only eat it once a month, whatever that may be? And what becomes super compelling about kind of the relationship with the brand is we're able to help operators actually bring those customers back in a, in a cadence that's appropriate to them that fits their profile. And so really kind of, you know, the topic comes down to is that there's becoming a proliferation of, of options for the customer and that what we kind of educate our restaurants on is that if you're not laser focused on creating your brand and everything from the way that the, the food is wrapped, the bag that it comes in, the branding that it comes in, the accessibility, that ultimately you're going to continue to be drowned out in a sea of noise of, of a huge kind of shift that's happening, which is via a proliferation of ghost kitchens, virtual brands that are putting a ton more inventory on the market. And so I love it. that's kind of our, our focus to say, look, it doesn't matter how little you are you still can kind of own your brand, who you are, and you can own that relationship with your customer. And it, you don't have to pay, you know, 10 grand up front and 300 grand per month or $300 per month. You can do it at an affordable price point with Flipdish, even if you're a food truck or you're, you know, a 5,000 location ghost kitchen. I love it. I got to tell you, you are so spot on. I really, I, I just brand to me is, I know some people are just like, oh, a burrito's a burrito. A burger's. A, I, I people are very particular. I think uh, that that's. I think where 
We're going to see what happens in this whole dark ghost kitchen space. Are people brand loyal or do they just they don't care? They just want to eat to be. To, well, that's, so that's that's to be seen. Um, listen, just switching gears a little bit, because it's something that's been uh, Jimmy and I've been talking about. And we're still a little confused. And maybe you can help us understand this a little bit, because Flip Dish is based in the UK. So it's 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 a, Dublin, Ireland. We are an Irish. So so company. Flip Dish is based in Ireland, like I said. OK, but it's, it's, it's in that neck of the woods. It's over there. Geography has never been my top, you know, but I know it's not in New York. It's over in Europe somewhere. Right. It's in the north somewhere. Right. Can we agree on that? Can you give us your best Irish accent? <laughs> Hello. <laughs> thank you for thank you for bringing that. In. I no, appreciate don't that. Don't Jimmy don't loves do when I do that. Don't Hello. Don't anyway, don't don't. I gotta. What I want to understand. So sure. I mean, QR codes are like all of a sudden very popular. You know, you do a little research on QR codes. Yep. They've been around since 1994. All of a sudden, they're like cutting edge technology. People yep. are like, oh, oh, you got QR codes. You really know what you're doing. You know. Kiosks are being extremely unpopular right now. I mean, they're not new. They've been around for a long time. Yep. Um, and and what's get what I'm confused a little about is the United States. We are still so far behind most international markets and and Europe in particular when it comes to ordering and paying yep. at, at the table. I mean, you go, you know, you've traveled. Jimmy travels. You go to anywhere outside the United States and eat at a restaurant. You don't put your, your your credit card in check presenter. And it just doesn't happen. Yep. It hasn't happened in years, in years. Mm -hmm. So what is your take? What is your insights on why are we so far behind in ordering and paying as a whole at the table in general, you know, to the rest of the world? Yeah, it's well, it's fascinating. So we, if it's a we, bad question, we, skip it. I'll let Jimmy answer. No, no, no. We, we were certainly behind <laughs> on chip and pin. We were behind on contactless payments. We were behind, even on the concept of just, you know, having the card reader come to you at the table to save time. Um, but that's changed. I mean, if you look around now, you know, you can pay for your subway ride with your cell phone, right? In New York City. Uh, that technology Man, I is coming. tokens. Wait, Jim. <laughs> Only Hillary Clinton thinks it's still tokens. Not tokens? Anyhow, you know, obviously that has shifted. And once again, like I said, the customer's expectation, if you can pay for your bus or your subway with your cell phone, their expectation is you can absolutely do that with your dinner check. Um, and if operators aren't going to, you know, be present with it, somebody certainly will. Um, you know, so anyhow, that, that technology has been prevalent in Europe in terms of the idea of paying a table for some time now. What was interesting is during COVID, many people don't may not be aware of this, but in the UK, they actually required uh, QR-based order at table during COVID to allow dine-in restaurants. And they actually sort of mandated it, meaning – you couldn't have wait staff go up and take orders unless the customer could order and pay from the table. And so it was a bit of an interesting experiment in like jumping ahead, you know, uh, who knows, three years, however much time we've said COVID has accelerated us. And really we're going seeing, five, by the way, five is our happen. number. Five, 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 that's, the, okay. that's the number. Jimmy and I have extensive research but on this. Five. So five-year requirement. And they, not just restaurants, pubs. And like, you know, the London pub culture is, you know, people are drinking beers at noon. Um, and all day long, you know, you know, you name it. And that is a very different cultural shift. And yet when people were forced to do it, they've realized, you know, damn, like this is easy. Uh, why haven't we been doing this all along? I can get my beer faster, my food faster. And you know, when I'm done, like I'm done, I've just paid with Apple pay. I'm out the door. Good to go. Um, and it's been very, you know, obviously there's a bit of a requirement. And then I think the second factor is, you know, restaurants in Europe uh, tend to be slightly different than kind of QSR the way we see it in New York City or in greater kind of the U.S. and Canada. 
Um, they tend to have a bit more kind of sit down, dine in type areas in kind of a quick service, fast casual, which tends to relate itself to sort of a table service environment. But regardless, the whole idea of QR based order and pay has kind of exploded in Europe. And while we haven't seen the same adoption across the states, there are several large companies like Toast, like Sunday and like Flipdish that are heavily kind of investing in the space and see it as an opportunity to not only improve the guest experience. So give guests an opportunity to, you know, dine on their own terms, um, ideally speed things up in terms of turning tables a bit quicker. Uh, and, you know, there's opportunity to save on payments and, and you name it. So actually find unit economics there. Look, I love it, man. I love it. I, I got to tell you, I, sitting at a table and then waiting for the, you know, for the, the waiter or whatever to bring back, you know, the, the, the whole that whole transaction. I love getting my check and I see the QR code. And just pay and, and get at it. I love it. I really do. So, you know, thanks. Thank you for your take on that. Really appreciate it. <laughs> well, well, happy to. Well, well done, gentlemen. And look, I mean, uh, we say often on the podcast that uh, the pandemic has uh, changed nothing and accelerated everything. Shachi shared his. Uh, By how many years, Jimmy? You know, at least four, four, four and three quarters. Um, but anyway, <laughs> um, but no, good ideas are transcending borders and 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 crossing oceans. And there is no question uh, that Europe has done a number of things on the payment side, as well as a lot of uh, their own green, new green deal um, that that are ideas that we think are are going to be exported and certainly going to land on our shores. Um, I want to take a moment because you've become essentially a subject matter expert um, in a space that that we find to be really interesting, and, and that's the virtual and ghost kitchen space. Um, this is a major area uh, for growth uh, for Flipdish. It's a really important segment of the market. As I said, you've now become an SME in this space. Um, it, it, to the extent you're, you're, you're cool with it, what insider information or what can you share with our listeners who maybe haven't stepped into the virtual kitchen space yet about kind of some of your insights and how do you see this segment of the industry moving forward? Sure. Okay. Um, yeah. So a little bit of context. So we're, um, you know, we take a lot of pride, I think, in supporting some of the larger ghost kitchens around the globe, um, multinational brands that operate in multiple continents that have thousands of locations per continent, um, where we're able to power their kiosks. So when people walk in, as well as kind of their web and, and digital commerce, so people can order marketing, you name it. Um, what's been very interesting, um, I guess there's a couple of things we can approach here. So when it comes to ghost kitchens, really, this comes back to the whole idea around convenience of ultimately, you know, the, the benefit is getting closer to the customer so that that customer can get that accessibility, whether it's pickup or delivery in a shorter time frame than ever and allowing a restaurant to have kind of quicker turn times in terms of like if you have shorter between the, the uh, delivery point and the customer, how many more trips can you fit in in an hour versus a typical maybe you can fit two to three trips in an hour for standard DoorDash delivery or something like that. And so ultimately, it's, it's seizing the model, which is, you know, building fulfillment warehouses and retail that become closer to the customer and doing so in a food and beverage concept where you can lower your cost of square footage. So lower your, your OPEX and ultimately get closer to the customer to, to deliver a better customer experience that's going to ultimately make the customer happier because when they want the burrito, they literally can get it in like 18 minutes or less, right? Um, so that's what's kind of by the way, I'm definitely getting burritos for lunch today, Jimmy. That's without a doubt. I mean, we're talking burritos. I'm dying for a burrito. I'm right coming now. up town. We're going to get burritos together. Yeah, gotta get a burrito. Anyhow. Or hot dogs, whatever. You name it. But bring hot dogs into it. We're having burritos today. That's the end of that. So that. that's what's driving this change. And ultimately there's been so much capital poured into it that there's now the accessibility for brands to get closer. 
you know, what's, will, what is yet to kind of play out will be, you know, to what extent are existing brands willing to, you know, lease space in kind of like a co-operating tenant model, almost like a WeWork model versus building their own space, whether it's finding small out, out, you know, uh, outposts or footprint to be able to build that. But what isn't going to change is delivering that convenience for the customer. And what restaurants are ultimately going to need to determine is what is most cost effective for them is can they build their own facilities and get closer to the customer to drive their off-premise business more efficiently? Um, or, you know, is the right OPEX model for them to do it within an existing facility? Um, you know, granted, they're able to protect their IP and, and uh, do so at a, an affordable price point when they're not kind of giving away too much of the house. Um, we've seen it as a great opportunity for experimentation. Obviously, people trying new markets, uh, you know, a brand that is incredibly successful in New York, wanting to take a foothold in Chicago or San Francisco or Texas, you name it, is a fantastic opportunity. Um, and then same thing with virtual brands, seeing it as an opportunity for, and when I say virtual, I laugh at the term. I think it's going to be like when we used to say, like, I'm going to send a, an online email or something like that, or I'm going to dial up. It's going to be like the term of You beat it with a dead horse there, huh? Yeah, it's just a brand. <laughs> at the end of the day, it's a brand. It just happens to live online. Like, I don't, I don't think we call uh, Warby Parker a virtual glass company or glasses company, right? Or we don't call uh, Bonobos a virtual shirt company, right? Um, so that term, I think, will certainly go away. But uh, anyhow, um, you know, from the virtual brands, I think w- what we're seeing is that it's a unique opportunity for people to move with speed. You know, with, obviously, without the OPEX, we're seeing brands, you know, on Flipdish launch hundreds of stores in a given week, um, you know, leveraging our APIs to build as fast as they want. Um, and we're seeing players that, you know, are not the highly capitalized, you know, chilies of the world all of a sudden competing on a number of stores and, and accessibility uh, in a much shorter time frame. And so I think ultimately what we're going to see from it is some of the major brands of tomorrow, uh, you've probably heard this echo before, may not already may not exist today or may not be at the scale of what you're anticipating. Um, and it's simply just due to the ability of lower OPEX, uh, faster ability to scale and faster ability to acquire more customers through digital technology like a flip dish. I like it. I like it a lot. Um, listen, it turns out that while we started this podcast because we enjoy uh, bringing on guests and friends and 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 talking about this market, uh, we've learned along the way that sometimes our guests have questions for us. So let's kick off talking back. Uh, we'll give you the mic, uh, give you a chance to ask us a question. And as I like to say, nothing's off the table. Mike's yeah. yours, John. Yeah. So as restaurant operators, what keeps you two up at night? Ah, uh, that's so Shatsy. It's good. I'm, I'm going to be right back. Shatsy, you take this one. I'll be I'll be back in a couple minutes. Whoa. <laughs> uh, I, 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 you know, I mean, the 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 easy answer right now is Labor. just, you know, are we past this this pandemic? The entire like, are we past this and never and it, it, never to see this again, like next year or something like that? Are we now moving forward that it's indoor dining is back? We're kind of moving to uh, you know, no masks. We're kind of moving to this normalcy stage pre-pandemic, and you know, and we we got there a little bit. If you remember earlier in the, I don't maybe I, you know like like last year, and then all of a sudden this new variant comes and everything went nuts again and shut. So I'm just I don't want anything like that to happen. So I, well, yeah, dude, I know. I, I, I just I sat on the plane yeah, next year. When <laughs> are we going to just just look back and talk about how crazy and nutty this was? And not have this, you know, any spikes and, and whatever's again. That that to me is my biggest thing because that really was mm-hmm. devastating to us all. 
So, uh, you know, Jimmy, I don't know if you can, I'm sure you can add some color to that, but I mean, that, that's it for me. No, I I can't do better than that. And, and, and part of that is simply the most draconian thing that hit this industry in, in at least our lifetime was this pandemic and seeing sales drop by 90% and watching restaurants just get shuttered. Um, And then to Shaz's point, um, we thought we were coming out of it. There was built up demand. People were stepping out. Oh, and then it was we were crazy. Hitting, we were hitting good numbers. It was roaring twenties, baby. Yes, roaring twenties. And then the variant hit us, Omicron, and then bam, down eighty yep. percent. Yep. And it was devastating. So to Shatz's point, we could we could focus on a lot of the minutiae of, of things, labor and 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 you know and, yep. you know some. So, procurement and how to improve margins and all that's really important. But if you can't have guests come in your store, your model's challenge yep. and chats is right. I think that is going to forever be a risk that we never, yep. we're never going to forget this experience. And I'd like to forget it, Jimmy. <laughs> but well, no, I, I appreciate that. I mean, that, that's exactly, that's what I spoke about at the beginning. Yep. That's all we focus on is the connection between the restaurant yep. and their guests, because without your guests, you are not a restaurant, <laughs> yeah, you know, and, and yeah, the whole, the whole thing. So, anyway, so listen, I mean, that's a great question and, uh, and I appreciate it, but that really is, uh, is the big, the big one. Uh, listen, we got a great segment right now. I got to jump into. Okay. And it's, yeah. everyone always talks about hospitality. We are very slow to embrace technology. We're slow. We're behind, you know, coal miners are more advanced than we are. We joke about, you know, with the fracking and all, so we came up with this segment, which came first. And actually, based on what we've learned on this segment, we find out hospitality has not really been always behind. In fact, very much a leader in many aspects of hospitality. So here we go. And food service, the whole, you know, the whole space. So which came first? John, are you ready? Yes, let's go. All right. The automated baggage claim at airports or the supermarket conveyor belt to checkout lane? Jimmy, I'm going to ask you next. <laughs> Supermarket. Supermarket conveyor belts. Jimmy, what do you think? Airport, go get in your bag. Jimmy loves checking his bag, by the way. I love checking the baggage check. Love the baggage check. So I feel um, like he's definitely going to airline because he's like, I love it. I'm going, I'm going airline, baby. I'm going airline. And my, right, my dad, going airline. My, my dad I trying to give some me. props for hospitality. Yeah, we no, can talk I about appreciate it. it. You're right. And there we go. The supermarket conveyor belt was actually uh, in came to life in the 50s. There we the go. The automated baggage handling system at airports wasn't invented until 1971 by oh a little goodness. company that's still around, BNP Associates, out of Denver, Colorado, I believe. Uh. My dad's gonna be so disappointed in me. He worked at a bodega. He worked at a bodega in a grocery market. He had the old school register. He loves to say his math skills were honed by working in that market. He's gonna crush me. So pre seventy one, Jim, you went to the airport. How'd you get your bag? <laughs> I was, I was, I was three. Well, not you, just in general. Like, how did you get your bag? You just didn't carry luggage. Everyone did carry on chassis. Everyone, Everyone did carry. I love it. All right, Jimmy, All right. take it to, you, take it to you, the crystal. You picked it All up right. on the rack after you came down the staircase. Exactly. <laughs> something like that. Jimmy, take All it right. to the crystal ball moment. Absolutely. This is the uh, third or fourth best segment of the podcast. <laughs> yeah, now, now it's it's dropping fast, Jimmy. Dropping fast. But it's still a good segment, and it's mine. Crystal ball moment, a chance for our guests to put on their Kreskin or Miss Cleo hat uh, and predict the future, the future. Uh, John, how do you see restaurants and dining two years uh, from now in relation to hospitality and technology? 
Restaurants in two years, the relation to technology? Sure. Um, so I see the customer driving more of the experience at the restaurant. And so ultimately putting more tools in the hand of the customer. So whether that's the ability for the customer to order, the ability for the customer to, to pay their check, the ability for the customer to you know accommodate or change their reservation or split the bill, you name it. Ultimately, I see putting more of the control in the hands of the customer uh, throughout the whole dining experience. Nice. John, will customers be actually cooking their own food? That's what I want to know. Will they be making their own pizza like Kramer? <laughs> will Jimmy go into Chipotle and make his own burrito when he wants the burrito? And that's it. It may, it may not be the customer, but it Well, listen. Be. Anyway, we'll, we'll come back and we'll see. We'll see. So, listen. Here's the quick fire, okay? As Jimmy alerted to, alluded to, that the, the, the crystal ball moment, it's nice. It's fun. It's entertaining. It's good. But the... The quick fire is where we really get into. This is what people are like, Shatsy. You got to have your own show. It's just called the quick fire. And we're in talks with many production companies right now and some really incredible, uh, you know, hosts and stuff like that. But that, we'll by many, Shatsy really means none. But by many, none. But yeah. Well, listen, I'm hoping they're listening out there. Anyway, here we go. I'm going to ask you five lightning round questions. John, first thing that comes into your mind are you ready for the quick fire? Let's do it. What is your dream car? Ooh. I'm a simple guy. I'm not really a car guy. I'm not one for uh, fancy things. A Bugatti. No. <laughs> what, <laughs> what's your? What is your dream car? Uh, you know, I live in New York City. I don't. I don't own a car. What are you talking about? There you go. Okay. Hey, no dream car. Hey, forget about it. Forget about it. Yeah. What are you talking about? Where are you getting dinner story? from tonight? Hey, why are you so nosy? Why you want buy your bottle? Tell you why you bother. Okay, okay, I give you. You want my car? I'm getting dinner. Leave me alone. Leave me alone. Give me a story about last night uh, where I went to dinner. I, tonight I've got a family engagement, so not a dinner. But last night, you ever heard of a little restaurant called Emilio Bellotto's down on Houston Street? It's like an institution. It's been around for like 40 years. I have to know. You own a piece of that or something? Why are you picking that restaurant? <laughs> That's why I went last this night. This segment. It was incredible. By, yeah. This segment is sponsored right. by Jimmy. Yes. By the way, it's pronounced Houston Street. It's Houston. All right. Well, listen. Yeah. Right, we just got a shout out. So I'm going there for a free dinner with Jimmy tonight. Hey, good, good luck. The front door is locked. You got to know right. somebody. All right. Emilio, I'm getting, I'm getting the name. and I'm going there to get a free dinner tonight with Jimmy. Uh, favorite food city in the world? Favorite food city, New York City. Boom. Where's your favorite place to travel? Upper East Side, New York City. <laughs> no. <laughs> uh, I would say if I if I had to get in this this imaginary car that's my favorite car, <laughs> I, I drive <laughs> from the, the southeast part of Spain all the way up through France, up around the northern part of Italy into uh, the northern uh, section of Italy, and that's where you'd find me. Wow. Chat, that's that part of the world that's over there yeah. that you don't know. You that's have no Ireland. idea. You have that's no Ireland, idea what God just said. So you want to drive from Ireland to, uh, to London. From Ireland <laughs> to England. Up, I get it. I get it. Up, you, yeah, I, I get it. Okay. All right. Here we go. Are you ready? If you were to challenge Jimmy or I to the old, good old backyard potato sack race, yep. who would you have better odds of beating? Jimmy's uh, weighing in right now about what, the, what you, Jimmy, what are you weighing in right now? Three bills? A smelt two and change. Whoa! I gotta tell you, Jimmy. I mean, Jimmy packed on like COVID, like twenty two. Yeah, he has lost it all. He's like now he's like negative twenty, negative COVID twenty five. 
I got plenty of COVID LBs left to no go. No way, baby. All right. All right, so go ahead. Who do you have better odds of beating a potato sack? I'll race? tell you what. I bet, you know, J- Jimmy would try to box me out, but I bet you'd pull a knife out of your pocket, cut the sack open, and run anyway. So I think I, I've got better odds of beating Jimmy in this one. Yeah, I respect it. I respect yeah, Jimmy. it. Jimmy, knows, he knows how shots he plays. He comes with a knife, cuts himself out of that sack, and goes, baby. I just think, Chetsy, you're very wiry. You're very wiry. I think I think, 100%, I, I, yeah. I, I think I get be, out of that sack. I think you'd be quick on the sack as well. So uh, good for you. The and only by the way, I've ever seen in potato sack race, by the way, I'm dating myself, the Brady Bunch. I never saw anyone else do potato sack race. Like the Brady Bunch had an episode with that. But that was uh, back in like 1971. I apologize. All right. Listen, I uh, based on some of the geography questions that came up or topics, uh, my message to everyone out there is kids, stay in school. Okay. Anyway, <laughs> we're going to close this out. And, John, we want to thank you so much uh, for joining us uh, on the podcast and for sharing all your great insights. Uh, Brandon's biggest thesis uh, as an investor and an advisor is to work with companies that are allies to this industry that we really do care deeply about. And, and what you and Flipdish and the team are doing um, is really uh, on point in terms of that our thesis, which is you're going to help these um, operators improve their margins and deliver better customer experiences, which will lead to improved margins. So really a, a big shout out um, and loving what you guys are doing um, and appreciate it. Um, if you want to get in touch uh, directly with John, please email us uh, at podcast at brandestrategic.com. Hey, Jimmy, um, before you get, before you go on to the next, next week's guest, I just want to, John, what's the uh, if I want to if I want to learn more about Flipdish? What do I got? What is it? Flipdish dot Flipdish dot com, or you can, you, can, com. you can come by and meet me in person in our New York City office. We're down in, in Hudson Square, just north of Tribeca. Be happy to show you around. In well, that person. was my next thing. I I wanted to say uh, before we talk about the next guest, it's Flipdish dot com. But also, John was kind enough, Jimmy, to offer the first four callers or anyone who emails us. <laughs> What's that Italian joint, uh, John? Good luck. Good luck. I had to have John it is taking the first four people to <laughs> dinner. On him, you will have a dinner with John, the president of North America Flip Dish Operations in Little Italy. So please email us very quickly because I got to tell you, that's a tough restaurant to get into, and he's buying. So that's that is going to be great. And he will give you more of his insights on dream cars, burritos, and all the other good stuff. So just take it away from that. Thank you, John, for that. Yeah, you're buying the burritos yes. today. John, John, we appreciate that uh, that fictitious offer that you just made. Uh, to our <laughs> to our listeners, we do want to thank you so much for tuning in. We know there are literally hundreds of thousands of podcasts out there, uh, and the fact that our, our subscriber count and our listening count is growing exponentially um, is just really uh, – it's great, and we appreciate three. it. Three. Yeah, three. Yeah. <laughs> yes, yes. Well, your subscriber count has just grown in Europe. We can promise you that. Yes, I love it. And uh, listen. Taking you across the pond. Next week, we are going to welcome our guest, Mr. Danny Klein, the editorial uh, director at uh, food news media. Uh, that guy knows a few things about our business. He knows Jimmy. a few things. I got to tell you, Shats, you are on my my uh, my LinkedIn, um, you know, guru and influencer. But I got to tell you, Danny Klein um, is putting out awesome content as well, and I do enjoy following him. and And I can't. Well, wait I'm just to- basically regurgitating most of his content. Right. Well, we can't. We can't wait. <laughs> I was to reposting have- his articles. And that, that's why you're so good. We can't wait to have Danny yeah. on the show, and we'll get his inside scoop on the industry trends and reports. Uh, and finally, if you haven't done already please subscribe to our podcast you don't miss out on these and other exciting guests coming up in the future and better yet please invite a friend to hang out with us the next time so until until then uh with great appreciation to john and everything him and the team
team at Flipdish are doing. This is Jimmy Frischling, your finance guy, uh, signing off and passing it back, passing it back to my boy Shatsy, Mister uh, Mister Potato Sack ahead. Hello, Jimmy. Thank you for that fabulous. Hey, listen. <laughs> hey, it's Sh- it's Shatsy, aka Restaurant Guy, signing off here from New York City. <laughs> I think I went cocky on us. And we just and we just lost all of our new European friends. They he was about to bring his own the bond too, Jim. He was about to bring his own. about was about to invite you over to our office in Barcelona. Yes. But... And we're out. Hey, thanks, John. Thank you guys. Appreciate it. Cheers, everybody.